1: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off.
2: Nahant, Massachusetts is a rocky crescent moon of land out in the Atlantic Ocean just north of Boston. It's pretty small, just one square mile and 3,400 people. For its entire history, it's been at the mercy of the ocean. To get to the town back in the 1800s, you'd have to cross this long, beautiful beach at low tide that connected it to the mainland.
3: Hi, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? You're Sam? I am. I Thanks. At
2: high tide, you had to take a boat. These days, there's a four-lane road built on that beach. When the weather's good and in the
3: summer, there is no prettier, nicer place. We have a private beach. We have a great view. We, the shipping lanes of Boston come right in front of our house, so all the big ships
2: that come in, we, we can see, and, it, and I love it. I love my house. Dave Lazaro is a retired bartender and a woodworker. The two-story house he shares with his wife, Chris, is full of his carvings. It's kind of a comforting nautical clutter. He likes getting outside, backpacking, fishing, sailing, and a lot of his carvings are of birds, he and Chris have lived on Willow Road in Nahant, which is perched on the shore and faces out into the Atlantic for nearly 50 years.
3: I raised a family here.
1: Yeah. It's, when Dave first moved here, did you tell him? this? When he first moved here, he was the only one here all winter. These were all summer homes, every one of them. Imagine that. <laughs> they all lived in another town. It cracks me up.
3: <laughs> I was the new kid on the block. Now I'm the old man on the block. <laughs>
2: It's a dream to live by the water. There's something about the shifting wind and the waves that's just undeniably appealing. But anyone living on the water knows you get the beautiful summer days, but also the brutal storms. There are two storms that everyone who has lived in the hunt a long time talks about. The blizzard of 1978, and what everyone here calls the no-name storm in 1991. For the rest of the country, this storm has come to be known as the perfect storm. When the really big storms blow in, you don't want to be on Willow Road. When a storm comes in, the house shakes. You can
3: literally feel it. And when those big waves hit the seawall. You can see movement, see curtains moving. The, the blizzard of 78, I had put plywood up in front of the windows, but when that got knocked in, there was waves carrying four by eight sheets of plywood through the w- living room, and I, if one of those had hit, we would have had broken bones or been underwater, you know, so we, we left, we got out. There was a station wagon that floated down the street. I saw it go past my house. When we finally decided to leave, the current was so strong in front of the house that I had to take, I had a boat at the time and I had an anchor in the cellar. And I took the anchor, swung it around, threw it over across the street and hooked it onto the chain link fence. And we used that as security in case we got swept. When they cleaned the street in front of my house, They were four-foot sand piles, not snow piles. And they had to have backhoes come in and and take them out. You know, this whole neighborhood was devastated, and the town in the heart was isolated.
2: This is Outside In a show from New Hampshire Public Radio about the natural world and how we use it. And this is a story about a tiny seaside community looking forward into a world where the scientists are afraid devastation like the blizzard of 1978 is going to be more and more frequent. It's a story about people living in homes which, in the space of a generation, may not be home to anyone anymore. Sea level rise is a tough subject. What the scientists think we're in for is just staggering. There's a very robust debate going on right now as to exactly how much sea level rise we're in for, and the Cliff's Notes version of that debate is it's between those who think we're in for a lot and those who think we'll see even more. It's a tough thing to talk about because the numbers aren't very impressive, like, Oh, the seas could rise three to six feet, whatever that means. And then the timelines are so long. The scientists always reference the year 2100, which, you know, I won't be alive to see. So let's talk about this in terms of communities, people. And let's start with Sam Merrill.
4: The unfortunate thing is what we're really facing in so many of these coastal areas is what you can rightly call an extinction threat.
2: He's been an academic and worked for the EPA, but now he works for a company called GEI Consultants, which designs infrastructure for protecting coastal communities.
4: The extinction of a community, it's not just people's heirloom waterfront property. It's also the libraries, the schools, the hospitals, all the all the roads and other infrastructure, and Native American burial grounds and historic districts and, and so on. It's, so it's unlike really any other challenge that we've faced as coastal societies. Um, we, we don't know how to deal with extinction. It's not really a conversation in our public sphere.
2: Extinction. They probably wouldn't use that word, but Dave and Chris Lazaro have thought about it.
3: I know it's rising. <laughs> I don't have to read about it or anything. I know.
2: <laughs> Is that... I mean, does that worry you at
3: oh, all? Oh, very much. Yeah,
5: Because yeah. I would love to see our kids and our grandkids stay here forever and ever and ever, but I don't know.
2: So what do we do? How do you stop an ocean?
4: You always have three
2: options. um,
4: Fortify, accommodate, and relocate.
2: Let's look at those three options right here in Nahant. A few doors down from the Lazaros lives Ken Carangelo, He's single, no kids, and the COO of a big company in the film industry. His home really tries to maximize ocean views. When he found out it would be impractical to knock down the wall in the kitchen so he could see the ocean, he installed a giant HDTV there instead.
6: Looking as if it were a window, so that's actually a live feed from what's going on behind you um, with the camera out on the thing.
2: You heard that right. He has a live feed of the ocean on his wall. Out on his porch, he shows me his seawall, which was built in the 90s after the perfect storm undermined the old one.
6: Well, it's 10 It's 10 feet below the surface of the sand. It goes down 10 feet. We're up about 8 feet from here. And everything that's down there has a, a solid footing and Kevlar-coated rebar, so uh, the salt doesn't get to it as much.
2: Ken says the previous owners spent more than $200,000 to build the seawall. You
6: know, it's the equivalent of building a sandcastle. And... You kind of know what happens, you know. After a while, the ocean will do what the ocean is going to do. Depends how hard you want to fight it, I guess.
2: Between Ken and Dave is Richie Lombard, another longtime resident who's been a selectman in town for decades, a kind of local elected official. He's retired now, but he used to work as a VP for Dial, like the soap company. He's got a seawall too, which was rebuilt after the blizzard of '78 blasted the old one right into his living room.
6: It was like it was like a destroyer off the coast here, firing shells in here. The the walls all had to be replaced. These are all brand new walls.
2: Richie Lombard's house may have a private seawall protecting it, but he thinks Nahant Harbor could use some protection too, funded by the
6: federal government. We're trying to put um, breakwaters in. So that'd be out out there, yeah, to take the surge and get the, You know, the federal government because they're starting to look at that from Maine all the way to Delaware.
2: So this is what option one looks like.
4: Vigorous, muscular, armature.
2: Harden the coasts, armor the coasts.
4: Think berm, dyke, seawall, jetty.
2: But here's the thing, option one costs money, could cost a lot of money. Some could come from homeowners, but could also just come from taxpayers. There's a plan to build a massive system of dikes in Galveston Bay that's been hung up for years because of its price tag. It's estimated to cost as much as $8 billion. Miami Beach just voted to spend $400 million to elevate major roadways and install pumps to deal with recurrent flooding there. Numbers like these should be a red flag that to protect every coastal community from every storm in the entire country It would be pricey. Well, I
4: I don't think it's feasible to protect
2: every community. So what about option two? Accommodate. Nahant is already doing some of that.
7: Seawalls can only do so much. You're not going to stop the Atlantic Ocean.
2: Enzo Burrill is another local official in Nahant. He grew up here, owns a garage in town, and can point out where all of the families of mobsters used to live.
7: Right here, I lived in that house right up there. Which one? See the, 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 the like the tan house up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice Best house. view in the hunt, Yeah. Yeah. Right?
2: He gave me a tour, pointing out all of the newer houses that have been built to handle moderate flooding. And this stop was a baseball field in a part of town called Lowlands.
7: After in 91 now, um, they were windsurfing in here the day after. Guys, they were windsurfing in
2: lowlands. The biggest thing Nahant has done to accommodate is to keep a lot of its low-lying areas out of development. There's the baseball field, for instance, and a golf course that frequently ends up being underwater.
7: And it's open space, can't be built on, helps us keep our, you know, keep our costs down.
2: And there's even this pond at the golf course's low point, and when storms come, they put in these giant bilge pumps and just drain the town.
7: So, we actually drain the town down. Before we know there's a major, major event going to come, Northeaster, heavy rain, we drain it right down.
2: But despite the seawalls and the open space, Nahant has some of the worst flooding in Massachusetts. There are only two towns in the state that have received more per capita in federal flood insurance claims. And what's more, nearly 50 homes in Nahant are places called repetitive loss properties as in homes that get flooded over and over. These homes make up something like 1% of buildings covered by federal flood insurance, but they account for almost 40% of the claims. And these can be big claims for replacing floors, walls, insulation, you name it. There's even a subcategory of homes, there's even a subcategory of buildings called severe repetitive loss. And one of the ways to qualify as one of those is to get two payments within 10 years that add up to more than the value of the building. So, in some cases, the insurance is essentially paying to rebuild entire homes from scratch in the exact same spot. Let's compare it to health insurance for a second. These houses are like patients, chronically ill patients who are going back to the doctor again and again. But by law, the doctor can only fix the symptoms, patch the spackle and refinish the floors. And meanwhile, the disease is getting worse. More houses are getting built by the shore and the seas are rising. When it comes to healthcare, as a society, we know that denying chronically ill patients coverage may be in the best financial interest of the insurance provider, but ethically, it's not okay. Those patients didn't choose to be sick, But with risky homes that flood all the time, there is another option. Relocate. Move. There are other, safer places to live. Even Burrill, a lifelong Nahanter, thinks there's a point after which you shouldn't get paid to rebuild a home in a spot like this.
7: Where do we draw the line? I, I don't know. I think that, personally, I think that once FEMA has paid you, and if they've paid for your home, you've lost it, it because it's in a ridiculous spot. Enough's enough. You got We have to just say no because um, the country is paying for that now.
1: Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a Lifetime Membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your Lifetime Membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey,
7: everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com.
1: Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with a limited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid and limited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024.
2: Nahant is already trying to fortify and to accommodate sea-level rise. But this third option, relocation, this idea is much more fraught. Contemplating abandoning a seaside home that you love and maybe you've sacrificed to own is as much about emotion as it is about rationality. Consider Dave Lazaro, who over the past 40-some-odd years has been flooded six times, Once, the back door was knocked off its hinges and the water came in. And a couple of times, the water just stripped a few rows of siding off the house. But twice, he got seriously bombed out, in 78 and in the perfect storm. He doesn't question that the seas are rising. Storms are getting more intense,
3: and there are places where once you can live, that now you can't live. I don't think of Willow
2: Road that way. He just thinks that his home, with its seawall, is still safe. At least, it's safe today. It's like a numbers
3: game from what I see. Is this house going to be safe here in the next 25 years? I'm not sure about that, you know. Because I think that those storms that come
2: in, if you're in the path, you're in trouble. Deciding when that once occasional risk has risen to the point where it's now unacceptable is really hard. I mean, Really, is each year that goes by statistically any more dangerous than the year before? Here, we're going to get into some nerdiness. Because where people are allowed to live is a really complicated question. Individual states and even individual towns have their own zoning, their own ordinances. But there is one big tool that the federal government has that can help to signal where you might get washed away. Flood insurance. Anyone who has a mortgage and lives in the floodplain has to buy into the National Flood Insurance Program. I've heard it compared to Obamacare for homes in flood-prone areas. It's run by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, and like a lot of big programs created by political machinations, it's got issues. For one, you've got those homes that get flooded again and again, but there are all sorts of other problems— Older homes built before we had flood maps get deeply subsidized rates, so do homes that get moved into a riskier flood zone when the maps are updated, and here's the real kicker. FEMA's flood maps don't even take sea level rise into account. Congress tried to get rid of the subsidies in 2012 after Hurricanes Katrina and Sandy left the program $23 billion in debt, but the reaction was swift.
4: This is a major bill that passed without the data necessary to use either compassion or common sense. Okay, compassion and common sense.
2: That was then-Louisiana Senator Mary Landrieu demanding relief from rate hikes for coastal homeowners in 2013. When people living by the ocean got wind of the changes that they were in for, They flooded their representatives' voicemails and inboxes with complaints.
4: It could have a devastating economic impact. It must be delayed, fixed, or modified.
2: Less than two years after the reform was passed, Congress watered it down, delaying some rate increases and eliminating others. So that $23 billion debt is still just hanging over the program's head. Some people worried that the rest of the country could get stuck with the bill which would be 73 bucks for every man, woman, and child in the country. What all of this means is that while insurance rates are rising for coastal residents, they're rising slowly. It could take another 10 to 15 years before those rates actually reflect the risk of living on the coast. And because the pace is so glacial, each year that passes doesn't feel much more painful than the last. Dave Lazaro, the retired bartender, and his wife, Chris, who moved in before there even were flood risk maps, before sea level rise was even being discussed, are now watching as, at an achingly slow pace, flood insurance cranks up on the cost of their living and down on the value of their home.
1: You know, I think one year there, it was more than our mortgage, wasn't it? (laughs) It was just kind of crazy, you know?
3: It also presents a problem when you sell your house. Yes. Eventually, this house, house may be our retirement. People are going to look at this and say, oh, that's another four, or $5,000 a year that I'm going to have to come up with.
2: And this seems to be the solution that we as a country have settled on. Very, very slowly, we're going to turn the screws. And maybe, eventually, some folks will take the hint. And for some, this is reasonable. The thinking goes... These days, if you live in a floodplain with all of the information out there about sea level rise, maybe you don't get any more help. Maybe this choice is up to you. But I am curious what you think. I mean, do you think there's like a humane solution to this, so that people, so that we we like get people out of harm's way, that who who should come out of harm's way, and we do it at the right time, and we mm-hmm. don't ruin
6: people's livelihood. Yeah. So there, there's.
2: This is Ken Carangelo again, the film industry executive. Based on the age of his house and the rates he's paying, more than $12,000 a year, Carangelo is likely not getting subsidized flood insurance.
6: There's an assumption embedded in what you just said, which is that there's a responsibility, either socially or through the government or whatever, to like make... You know, keep people whole in in that scenario. So it is what it is. It's a choice. You know, it's a choice to live down here, as opposed to at the top of the hill, or as opposed to you know Worcester or you know somewhere else. So,
2: Do, what's your plan?
6: I mean, are
2: it, it's. I mean, are you just gonna stick it out?
6: Well, here's so so you know so my situation at this point you know being you know, single with no kids and and you know making decent money etc you know I it, for me it's a, it's a luxury that I can afford to stay here right I'm not whatever but I'm not worried about a multi generational legacy and like the house staying in the family and all that stuff for me it's like I want to enjoy this while I can and um uh, and really that's it and and I. In my head, I've got these three curves of how fast is sea level rising, how fast is my seawall deteriorating, and what's my life expectancy. Right? So wherever those intersect you know, in the right way is kind, of, is kind of guiding the plan.
2: Right now, there are three solutions. But eventually, there may only be one. Sam Merrill, the coastal engineer with GEI Consulting, says he believes that without some sort of action, many homeowners will be left holding the bag... Their homes may simply cease to be worth anything, or worse.
4: Generally, it's going to be bloody. The question is, can we help communities make it be a little bit less bloody? And I I think so.
2: We're often looking for the easy answer, the least painful answer.
4: None of the options are terribly good at this point. I mean, in many places, there's still uh, whole communities there where In fact, we may be past the point where anything makes financial sense.
2: But when it comes to sea level rise in homes that could be facing down extinction, maybe there isn't a solution that makes it so no one gets hurt. And while we work to figure it out, the world keeps getting warmer and the oceans keep rising. Outside In was produced this week by me, Sam Evans-Brown, and Logan Shannon, with help from Taylor Quimby, Molly Donahue, Jimmy Gutierrez, and Maureen McMurray. We produced this episode in collaboration with The Heat of the Moment, which is a project of WBEZ in Chicago. Flood insurance is a complicated topic, so special thanks this week to Dave Conrad, Steve Ellis, Howard Cunruther, and Carolyn Kusky, who cumulatively spent hours explaining all of the nooks and crannies of the issue to me. If you head to our website, outsideinradio.org, we've got a link you can follow to see some photos taken for this story by a Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist. Though he won the prize for a totally different story, the pictures are still quite nice. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.